Hi, everyone, and thank you for coming to my digital conference presentation. Um, today, I'm going to talk about the emotional attachment that is to color and nature. First, take a moment to think about what emotions are attributed to, say, a rainy day. Some thoughts you may have are gloom, sadness, loneliness, despair. Now take time to think about emotions associated with a sunny summer day. You see bright, yellow sun, blue sky, green grass. Some ideas you could have thought of could be happiness, peaceful, cheerful. This is what, this is what the use of colors does for Gothic literature. Just by painting a scene using color description, the author can create emotions that the reader should feel and a mood for the novel and its events. In this presentation, I will be discussing the significance of color and the pathetic fallacy in the Gothic genre. Gothic literature is heightened with the arbitrary use of color to represent emotion and with the emotional personification of nature to portray a specific mood associated with fear and unrest. Some of the works of Gothic literature that I will discuss today are Beloved by Toni Morrison, Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine Warren, The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones, and Mexican Gothic by Silvia Morano Garcia, all which are attributed to the Gothic genre. First, I will start with a brief history of color in our world. Color's impression dates back to the color um, sorry, color's impression dates back to the color's impression on the world goes as far back as the mid medieval era. They were, they were used to express wealth and status in society. Every color has a connection to something bigger and more complex that characterizes its being. From the journal Color, released in 2012 by Heather Pulliam, medieval colors were used to the were connected to the natural world usually bound to biblical descriptions. For example, purple as well as gold was always meant to represent royalty or very high social status. In our cultures, one would see another dressed in purple and it would command respect, even without knowing the individual. However, as times change, so does color and color's impression. Also from Pulliam, the meaning of color changes according to period, place, economic status, technology, purpose, patron, artist, audience, and object. With this being said, it wasn't until more recently that color has stepped up to represent more than status, but a strong sense of emotion. Fast forward to today, we see the typical Gothic colors being red and black. Let's examine the color red in Toni Morrison's Beloved. A quote from Toni Morrison's beloved, red heart, red heart, over and over again, softly and then so loud it woke Denver and Paul D himself, 
red heart, red heart, red heart. Four, one, seventeen. The consonant repartee of the color red is used to show emotions such as love and passion, also feeling, anger. Beloved exhibits how the color red ties emotions without stating it. She uses color symbolism to reflect the intense nature of the color red. It gives us critical thinking points that is shaped to our own perception and associated <clears throat> an association giving literature the deep analytical meaning that is so endearing to it. It creates a way for the reader to connect with the characters by using international language with color symbolism. We can also look at Jones's The Only Good Indians to analyze the color black's arbitrary use. In the novel, it is used to describe the vastness of the color. It is unsettling and scary to perceive the emptiness and create a sense of uncomfortability. As well as red and black, we also see non-traditional colors come into play, like green and yellow. Normally, we see green as associated with relaxation, serenity, nature. However, in Sing and Bearing Sing, Jasmine Ward takes those comfortable feelings and turns it into a more uncomfortable sense. She says, the place where the pine reached taller, rounded and darkened, draped with a web of green thorny vines, and I turned and walked back from page 201. The emphasis of green <clears throat> nature paired with the thorny vines makes an uncomfortable atmosphere. And this is just one example. She mentions the different, um, she describes different things in screen throughout her entire novel, each adding on to the concept of just making that association that when we see the green description, it makes a little like uncomfortable sense. Plus yellow, we are going to look at the novel Mexican Gothic. It exhibits similar traits. It depicts a snake as yellow and constantly refers to everything as golden. Again, this creates vulnerability within the reader where the comforting gold or yellow is brought up just to be taken down. It reveals itself to have unnerving emotions associated with it. Now, I'd like to discuss nature's grasp on emotional attachment. I'll start with an analysis of Poe's The Raven. From Tom Pillard, Pillard in 2009, it is significant, I think, that the present that haunts this chamber is a raven, a deeply symbolic animal that unexpectedly and apologetically intrudes in the nature's affair, the narrator's affair. This is where the significance of nature in literature takes a gothic form, representing the antagonizing aspect of the novel or story. This discussion brings eco-criticism, which from Purdue Owl states that it is a study of literature and the physical environment. The action of tying emotions with something that is utterly emotionless is known in literature as a pathetic fallacy. The term pathetic fallacy stems from the use of pathos, the emotional appear of the audience. In this sense, pathetic is referring to, the, to something that usually does not have emotions to appeal. Likewise, the word fallacy is not derogatory, but rather just stating that this is an unusual in comparison to what is normal. Martin Travers states in 2001, they produce in us a falseness 
and our impressions of external things, which I would generally characterize as the pathetic fallacy. Now, just to give a little bit of a background to what a pathetic fallacy is and to how and to explain how um, it is used, I'd like to bring up something that we are probably all very well versed in is Snow White. So I'd like to show the scene of Snow White just to give um, my audience a sense of what a pathetic fallacy is and used in nature. With that, oh my gosh. With that, my hope is that y'all see that even in something so um, normal in our culture and something we've grown up with, <clears throat> it uses the, the aspects of the Gothic to really portray something when it wants to be scary. So for example, when she saw the forest as being alive and like grabbing her, that is very much the definition of like a pathetic fallacy and emotion or sorry, nature coming alive to give us, the audience, an emotion such as fear and scared and um. Now, we can look at the pathetic fallacy at work. In the novel, The Only Good Indians, the deer shown in this picture that I, I chose represents a haunting past and disobedience to culture and in the novel Mexican Gothic, this mold portrays fear, control, and like evil desires. So just reiterating, reiterating the definition used in through the examples, you see an aspect of nature that it's brought up in the novel and instantly you associate fear and distrust. Same with the mold in the house. When it's brought up in the novel, all of a sudden you have an overwhelming understanding of fear and like possession and how it's used in that novel. 
This applies not just symbolism of what, of what the concept of nature is in that context, but also using it as a template of how the reader should feel and for creating the mood of the atmosphere. This is such a powerful device that readers have become so accustomed to knowing how to feel. It is a way to set up the scene or describe how a character is feeling without actually stating the obvious, leaving it up to the interpretation and personal appeal. Eric Earnhardt in 2016 goes on to urge poets to use pathetic fallacies only as a tool for faithfully representing interior landscapes really accentuating the importance of tenderly implying the feelings affiliated with the setting. I give the presentation. Yes. Another example of the pathetic fallacy used in Mexican Gothic is the house. It is a classic haunted house on the hill. The house, an aspect of nature, takes on its own emotion. It associates with fear, manipulation, and literally breathes the gothic element. If you try to run off, it won't let you. You've seen what the house can do, control the mind. That's a quote from the novel from page 20, or 228. Marino Garcia pers personifies the house and gives emotion to something that should, should be utterly emotionless. With the description of the house controlling minds, it gives off evil, power, and fear. With both of these symbolic literary terms, the Gothic literature is enhanced. The mood of the setting, events, and characters is revealed by attaching emotion to colors in nature to give the author a way to communicate to the reader without actually stating it. This way, the eerie atmosphere is formed through literary works and can be perceived by the reader, not just told. Gothic literature has many invigorating aspects. However, it is heightened with the arbitrary use of color to represent emotion and with the emotional personification of nature to portray a specific mood associated with fear and unrest. Thank you.